Welcome to the Women's Leadership Network podcast series. This series was created as a means to encourage, inspire, and empower women who want to make their lives better. I bring with me what I am in all of my facets, and I think that's a positive thing to bring to the table. Fighting, I guess, or standing up for things, yes. I do have very strong principles in various areas. We look for current issues and challenges facing women in the legal world and offer ways of tackling these issues as well as provide a community of support and engagement. I'm Jeannie Forrest for the Women's Leadership Network. Our guest today is the Honorable Betty Weinberg Ellerin, a member of the NYU class of 1952. She is senior counsel at the law firm Alston and & Byrd and served as Justice of the Supreme Court of the State of New York Appellate Division First Department for more than 20 years. It is my great privilege to welcome Justice Betty Ellerin to the podcast to discuss her endlessly fascinating business of being a groundbreaker. Because this podcast is oriented around women, I always like to start with a question about experience in law school. Betty, how was that for you? Okay. I had wanted to be a lawyer from the time I was 12 years old. I was going to be a labor lawyer and a United States senator. As you can see, I did not achieve that ultimate goal. But I was very committed. I was going to be a lawyer. And I was very happy to be accepted at NYU Law School. And uh, there were several other women. NYU was ahead of the curve at that time. I think we may have had 10 or 12 women in the class at a time when other law schools may have had two or three. Of course, we had a lot of men there, too. Uh, my first experience with what might be called gender bias was when one of the young men, I guess I was there about a week, 10 days, uh, one of the young men students came over to me and said, uh, what are you doing here? What you do, come to get a husband? Uh, so I said, well, I'll tell you the truth, that was my original hope. But when I saw <laughs> what was available, I thought I'd get the degree instead. Now, I gotta tell you, I didn't come up with that at the moment. I expected that question, frankly, uh, because it was that way in those days. Nobody ever pulled that on me again at law school, although there was one occasion when we were having a discussion on an issue, and one of the um, men who was involved in that discussion, if I may say one of the less stellar students, turns around and he says, you can't be right, you're a woman. I mean, stars and garters. Right? Okay. Uh, the other guys almost killed him. So that was okay. Um, I had a very um, a wonderful time in law school. It was very intellectually stimulating. And I always viewed it as the means to my goal to become a lawyer to help people and particularly working people. Of course, it didn't end up that way because... Uh, at that time, getting a job in the profession was not so easy. And a labor law firm, uh, which I think uh, did not have the kind of uh, public spiritedness that I had, was not waiting with open arms for a young woman. And so instead, I was lucky. I got a job with a maritime firm, uh, which was ironic. And I got that job because I was a woman. The young... Um, associate who was interviewing me thought it would be very helpful to have a woman in the office. 
And I heard him go back and speak to one of the partners, tell him that there was a young woman he'd like him to meet. And I heard the partner say, a woman? You gotta be kidding. Um, in maritime law, no less. Right. Uh, well, it was helpful having a woman in that office. I was able to do things that many of the men uh, couldn't. But aside from that, two years later. Hang on just a second. Yeah. You were able to do something that many of the uh, okay. men wouldn't. Because yeah, you're, I I, people can't see Jeannie. you. <laughs> no, you're just really. a tiny slip of a thing. Well, okay. But in that field, uh, the seamen, we represented seamen. And when they would settle up with the seamen, uh, you know, the uh, lawyers who had handled the case, and it was uh, the, uh, the firm gets this amount as a fee, and this is what you get. There used to be screams coming from the seamen. So after a while, the boss uh, said to me, uh, Betty, I want you to settle up with whoever it was, a, a, a seaman whose case I had worked on. So I went in, I sat down, and I explained to him uh, what the shares were, etc. Now, truthfully, with seamen, they had their kind of women, and I was a lady. And so they were so respectful and, you know, so deferential to me. So finally, the boss realized, hey, he had something, you know, pretty valuable. And when I told him about a year later that I was leaving because I had gotten an offer to be a law clerk to a judge, he says, you can't leave. I'm building a department around you. I mean, I left. I had no desire to have a department built around me. I was looking forward to uh, being a law clerk to a judge. I love the idea that you somehow leveraged being a woman in a very particular way and turned it to your best in interest and used it to your advantage. Sounds like they did too. I grew up in a home where neither of my parents wanted me to be a lawyer for different reasons. My mother, because I'd never get married. My father, because he was depression scarred. And he said, um, you know, lawyers starve to death, a secretary or a teacher always makes a living. But you know, children never listen and I was very committed. I was gonna do this. But by the same token, it was a home where there was never the thought that being a woman should stop you from doing anything. I really felt all my growing up years, I could do anything, uh, you know, if I put my mind to it. And so that was the attitude that um, I took with me um, when I did enter law school, when I entered the job market, and ultimately in the court, uh, court system. It's interesting because there's a there's a concept um, in social research now called benevolent sexism, which is really just about women being so protected, or the little lady can't do this, or women can't get the big assignments. It sounds like you took that benevolent sexism and actually used it to your advantage. Well, that's very astute. When I was a law clerk, um, I must say, uh, I'm a very good lawyer. I'll be immodest and say that. You can. And um, when I came with the judge, with whom I remained for 20 years, I wrote a decision um, on a maritime case. It was ironic. I had come from a maritime firm into a court that had that kind of jurisdiction. And um, it was a very interesting decision. And uh, it's been cited in federal cases, an old city court case cited in federal cases. 
So all I heard, uh, heard through the grapevine was the guys would say, oh, Harry Frank has a brilliant law clerk. Now, I tell you candidly, had I been a young man, they would have said, oh, Harry Frank has a very bright, young, you know, law clerk. But they expected so little of women in my time that if you were good, oh, you were exceptional. Only an exceptional woman uh, you could do that kind of thing. And uh, I did benefit by it. Ironically, I understood that many women suffered from sexism at that time. In my case, because of the manure in which I operated, I benefited by it. And once I made my reputation, uh, the law clerks, uh, all of whom were men, elected me as uh, the president of their association. They'd come in and ask me for my charges. They'd come in and ask me for advice. Uh, and so that stood me in very good stead as time went on. You're a resource. That's, well, that's pure and simple. Even that's now, good. even putting aside the current uh, political climate, which we try and stay clear of, um, things have changed for women. You've seen a lot of those changes. Some of them have been really significant and some of them have, left, have been a little less significant. So do you ever look back and think of a particular moment where you say, whoa, that would have not happened um, had I been a guy or any particular moment of profound change? Well, I'll give you a story that sort of meets what you said. Uh, I had been with the judge a long time and he relied on, upon me quite heavily. And he once had a case before him in his office, and his, uh, they were conferencing the case. And it was uh, an older lawyer was one of the, uh, represented one of the parties. And another lawyer whom I knew represented the other one. I didn't know the other lawyer well. Uh, in any event, in the course of the conference, the judge called me in and said, Betty, these are the, in front of the lawyers, uh, these are the facts. What do you think? So I told him what I th thought, and the uh, older lawyer, whom I didn't know, said, gee, that's very good. Are you a lawyer? I said, uh, well, counsel, um, women have been admitted to the bar of the state of New York since 1869. Mm -hmm. Then I turned to leave, and I said, uh, by the way, would you have asked me that question if I were a man? Now. Aside from putting him in his place, the other lawyer, whom I knew slightly, was very connected politically. I then became his candidate for a judgeship. He was so impressed, you know, that I said that. Well, to me, that came naturally, and he was very helpful, uh, you know, in the course of my career. When you stand up for yourself, you do more than just stand up for yourself. You demonstrate that you have confidence in yourself and that nobody's going to take advantage of you. I've known you for a long time now, and I know you to be fierce. And Yes, I, I know that word has been used lately. <laughs> <laughs> you have been protesting and resisting. I think you're marching, you said, since you were 16. Right. Uh, protesting something, a, a huge civil rights advocate. Right. I think of this capacity to resist capacity to be be in the face of conflict. I was on a panel once with you a few years ago, <laughs> and I remember um, we were sitting there and we kind of nudged each other and disagreed with the moderator's statement, and we still quote you in our office, 
I want to, I can't get your accent right. I want to <laughs> respectfully disagree with you there, Arthur. Um, you have a way of being able to deal with conflict comfortably. That's something that women struggle with, just according to the research. Well, ironically, I really like to resolve conflict and bring about consensus. You know, in addition to my job here, I'm a mediator and arbitrator at JAMS, which is a very well-known national group. And I settle some of the most difficult and contentious cases. Um, I do have the ability to see both sides and to uh, indicate to each side why it would be in their respective interests to reach uh, you know, a consensus, or as I said to someone, and I throw in a dash of the Jewish mother. Uh, that sort of disarms people. I also have a sense of humor. That has disarmed people. In other words, I can get away with a lot of things in contentious situations by saying something sort of funny or cute, and that clears the air. I never had a problem in a courtroom, and sometimes you get very contentious lawyers. But I would say something that would sort of deflate whatever the anger was on, on the part of the lawyer. And that's a very helpful skill. I don't know whether you can take a course in it, but in my case, it just happens to be something I've developed over the course of the years. And it's been very helpful. I don't think you can take a course in it. No. But I do think not. we can practice. Yes. And part of it sounds like that you were really able to totally embrace who you are. This Jewish mother business, for instance. Right. It's like, right. I'm not going to deny the fact that I'm a woman and that I'm 90 exactly. pounds soaking wet. Exactly. I'm going to go in. I've always said that. I bring with me what I am in all of my facets. And I think that's a positive thing uh, to bring to the table. And hopefully... You know, it has, as I say, it has stood me in good stead, and hopefully it will continue uh, to do that. Uh, but in terms of, you said I'm always uh, fighting, I guess, or standing up for things, yes. I do have very strong principles in various areas. Um, when I said I mar started marching at 16, that was against discrimination. I went to Indiana University for a year before I came to NYU, that was, I didn't know it when I first went, Klan territory, very bigoted against uh, African-Americans. And I was marching. I thought that was despicable. And uh, I have continued to march whenever it was an issue uh, that I felt strongly about. Of course, lately, since I can't walk too well, I can't march either. I couldn't go to Washington, unfortunately. Uh, I did on your behalf. Don't thank worry. You, yeah, because I can't. <laughs> I'm trying to channel some of that warm fierceness. Um, I have actually discussed with some other women recently this notion that it can be incredibly rewarding, but exhausting to be the first all the time. It's like you're plowing new ground. You're the first woman. You're representing. Um, you were the first woman appointed as deputy chief administrative judge of the state of New York. You were the first woman appointed to the first department of the appellate division of the Supreme Court of the state of New York. You were, I can't count all the firsts. That's a little exhausting. Can you talk a little bit about that experience of being the first? Well, I knew I was the first, but that wasn't an overriding consideration to me. Um, when I was a city administrator, Ed Koch was the mayor. And Ed Koch's favorite sport 
was charging the judges with all kinds of dereliction. The judges were not sending enough people to jail, but it's their fault that there weren't enough jails, which, of course, the city had the obligation to do. And he was constantly blasting judges. Well, I was not going to lie down and play dead. He was doing this to my judges. And so I would respond, you know, appropriately. I didn't have time to think about the fact that I was a woman. I was the administrative judge for the city of New York. I had a job to do, and I did it. I will say this, being a woman, woman was helpful in so far as my judges were concerned, because they liked the idea that I stood up to him, you know? And uh, I think they said, hey, leave it to a woman, she'll tell him off, because he did the same to my predecessor, who was a man who they didn't think sufficiently fought the battle. I, I love that you're still fighting the battle. Um, Especially when I think about the the gender imbalance that shows up, there's there's some research that shows that there continues to be a gender gap. We're admitting women at roughly half. Fifty percent. Yep, we are. We're admitting them into the legal profession. Right. But there's a taper off afterwards, and it shows up even on the on the bench. Well, I will say this: uh, that's not particularly true in New York City. We have made tremendous gains here. For example, the appellate division, where I was the only woman for 10 years, today has well over half are women. Uh, the Court of Appeals, our highest state court, majority women. The trial courts in New York, uh, I would say at least half, and in many instances, more than half are women. That's within the city, where there is not um, as overwhelming a success has been outside of the New York City. And that's a matter of politics, or I call it the selfish gene. Men are not going to give up what they have, you know what I mean? Uh, so they fight to hold on uh, to what they have, and uh, women in some of the outlying areas have not banded together. Uh, the way we have here in New York City to make ourselves known as a force, politically, socially, and what have you. But even upstate, there are now many women judges in significant positions. The presiding justice of the third department is a woman. That's the Albany area and surrounding areas. Uh, and there are women on the fourth, on both the third and the fourth department. And there are more and more women trial judges being elected. I think as a matter of uh, just course, because there are so many women in law school, it's going to happen. Now, in terms of equal pay, that's a different story. Um, within the court system or any organizational entity, you know, that has lines, there the salaries are equal, whatever your gender. But in law firms where, you know, uh, you have the partner level, the associate level, all the studies have shown that women do not receive equal compensation for the most part. And that's throughout our society. Uh, certain jobs that are women's jobs don't get full recognition economically. So you say we have miles to go before yes, we sleep. Yes, that's the battle that I'm now focused on. 
um, keep focusing. I know what happens when you focus on things. Um, women, especially women who graduated in the 50s, got very used to having their work part of the body of responsibility behind the scenes. I just watched hidden figures about these incredible yeah. women who basically were running NASA behind the scenes. You did that on the on the bench when you were a clerk. Yeah, just, that is true. And it, that was not restricted to women. All law clerks, uh, to some extent, have the same role, depending upon the judge uh, for whom they are clerking. Some judges, for example, once I was a judge, I was very activist in my opinion writing. I didn't mind if my clerk did the memos for the list, but if it had my name on it, I wrote it. Well, the judge for whom I worked did not have that kind of a proprietary attitude. We philosophically were on the same wavelength, which was great, so I knew how he would want to go on a case. I would draft the opinion, I'd let him read it, and uh, I wanted him to make some changes, but no, he wasn't too interested, so I would, you know, finally come up with the final product. Uh, I still have some of the handwritten decisions that I did, some of which uh, were very uh, noteworthy, and uh, it was a wonderful experience. I'll always be grateful to him uh, that he was gender blind, because I was the first woman in the Supreme Court of the state of New York to be a law clerk to a regularly elected judge, and he was the one who did it. He liked being sort of ahead of the uh, game, so to speak, and I was very uh, valuable to him. I took a lot of, you know, the stress out of his life by doing that kind of thing. And uh, so it was a, a very good mutual arrangement. And I love the fact that in the body of New York state law are these beautifully composed opinions written by Betty Ellerin and signed by her judge, who happened to be a man. <laughs> who also went to NYU, I want you to know. I'd like to end this podcast with one question. Well, you know me, I always want to stick in Yes, two. dear, I do. Um, what advice would you give yourself when you look back at yourself, your little fierce self, um, when you were in law school from this position now? Well, since I've done pretty well, <laughs> I don't know what advice I would give myself. Um, I guess the one thing I, I do regret a little is uh, some of the time that I had to spend away from my family. I had three children and a wonderful husband, and um, because of where I was in the uh, judicial firmament, so to speak, that did take a lot of time. I'm, my children, thank God, have all done extremely well. They're wonderful kids. Uh, my husband was a terrific lawyer, but I regret that I didn't have more time with them. What would your younger self think of you now? would be in shock. Listen, I didn't make it to, I, I was willing to settle for Congress rather than the Senate. I didn't get anywhere near that, but who would have ever dreamt I would become a judge? That I, was never in my wildest dreams, to tell you the truth. And that was a wonderful, wonderful position to have. You really could do a lot of good in that position. I feel like I go, I always feel like this when I, whenever I talk to you, I feel like I could talk to you for hours, but we have limitations on this because, you know, podcasts are meant to be short enough that people can listen to it on the way to someplace yes, else. Dear. But thank you for doing this. Thank you. 
For more information about the Women's Leadership Network at NYU School of Law, and to access more episodes in this series, please visit us online at law.nyu.edu slash women's leadership. Thank you.